Thanks, Paige. So welcome to Gospel Community Church this morning. Uh, I'm glad to have you all here. Uh, our vision as a church is to live authentic lives, proclaiming the good news of Jesus and inviting Castle Country to belong to and expand span the way. Chris talked about this last week. And one of the ways we do this, how do we do this? By sharing this vision and living these authentic lives uh, and proclaiming the good news and inviting Castle Country to belong to and expand the way. Jesus' church has a mission. We here at Gospel Community Church can see it called the Great Commission. It can be found in the first five books of the New Testament and most famously in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. We exist to glorify God by making disciples of Jesus. At Gospel Community Church, we make this known and easy to memorize by simply saying, know, grow, go. More specifically, our mission is to make mature disciples that know Jesus is Lord, grow in Jesus, and go share the hope found in Jesus. That's what you're going to find going on here at Gospel Community Church each and every single Sunday. So before we get started into the Psalms, happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. Uh, it's crazy how much, uh, how many people came in in like the last two minutes of service. I was like, man, it's going to be a pretty small service, but this place is packed and it's awesome. I love to see everybody here and Amen. Yes, that's something to celebrate. The God's uh, people are, are going out and sharing the gospel, and God's drawing people into Him. Real quick, this sounds really, does it sound as loud out there as it does to me? Okay, I'm going to hurry and adjust the sound on here. Otherwise, I'm going to give people headaches. You guys okay with that? I think there. Oh, now I've gone too much. How's that? Is that better? Okay, cool. So, uh, dads, happy Father's Day. Uh, I'm glad you're all here. One of the best things we can do as dads is love our Father in heaven. Um, it's not a day for us to sit back and be lazy and be served upon. It's a day for us to love our Father in heaven and in turn share the love uh, of our Father with our family. Um, so that's what, to me, what this day is about. Like, I, I would like, it would be easy just to sit back and, and be lazy, but that's not what God's called us into as fathers. Um, before we kick off our summer in the Psalms, let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for your amazing grace. I thank you for all the fathers here, God, and that we can ultimately just turn and show our children and our wives and our family members of who the Father in heaven is, God. That you are a good and gracious God, and that you give us so many gifts and so many blessings, blessings that we probably don't deserve, God, but we are just so thankful for you, God. And I pray today, God, as we go through the summer, as we begin the summer in the Psalms, would it be a time to just be refreshed in you, to learn more about you, and to grow in a relationship with you, God. And I thank you for the opportunity to get up here and preach your word, God. And I say opportunity, God, because it's not something to be taken lightly, God. It's something you've called us as pastors into, and I just thank you for the amazing grace in that, God. And I pray for the hearts here, God, that people would have ears to hear and their hearts would be tuned into you, God, and that they would just grow in a relationship with you, God. And I say these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So summer in the Psalms. I've been excited about this. Um, as we shared a couple weeks ago, that the summer in the Psalms is like a thing that a lot of churches do. Um, I didn't realize this. I shared it with another uh, pastor in town, and he was kind of shocked about it too. But... Uh, in our Acts 29 stuff that, I, that we're a part of, uh, a lot of churches do this. Uh, Ecclesia, if you guys were here last summer when they came and shared, um, they're starting, I think, Psalm 38 this week. So they've been doing Summer in the Psalms for a while. And it's just going to be a really, really good uh, time. And it's going to be how we spend each summer. Oh, I forgot something. Hey, 
How's it going? Good to see you this morning. Hey, it's good to see you. Hi. Hi, Bobby. Hi. Hi. Oh, hey. Hi, Christy. Hi. 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 Oh, hi, girls. I'm so glad you guys are here. Hello. It's been a while since we've seen you. Hi, Pa. Hi, Frog. Hi, guys. It's good to see everybody. Oh, good sermon. Let's go home. Huh? That's not what you came for, is it? You didn't want that. Now, I just had a brief interaction with so many of you. A moment with friends, uh, some people that maybe are here for the first time, where we briefly touch each other's lives. We smile, say hello. We have these words and phrases, it's great to see you, how are you? And they barely scratch the surface. And then we're on to the next one. Hey, how are you? Good. Great. Good to see you. Hey, how are you? Briefly scratching the surface. And imagine if this is where our relationships stopped. That this was the depth that we ever got to, that we never got past a hello. Imagine if your spouse, if this was as far as you got with your spouse, that you're married to that person, and it's just every morning you get up and say, good morning, I'm off to work, good night, love you. Imagine if that's how deep you went with your spouse. Imagine if you have children that you never got beyond that depth with your child, never knowing what makes them tick, never knowing what kind of things they enjoy. And if you guys can't hear it already, I'm cracking up in my own voice. <laughs> and this is something that really stuck out to me with my own son. I've been trying to figure out how to connect with him, how to have a relationship with him. And recently we connected over Pokemon. <laughs> so, uh, but imagine if, if, if the list could just go on and on and on and we'd all quickly reach a plateau in all of our relationships. There would, nothing, there would really be nothing to look forward to, never uh, venturing to go deeper, never finding out who the true person is behind that hug, that, hug, that handshake, that smile, that how hi, hi, how are you? And never becoming a part of someone else's life and never letting anyone into yours. Now imagine that if we're treating our day-to-day interactions with those around us that we love, what is it doing with our relationship with God? What is it doing? Does this superficial communication with one another spill over into our relationships with God? You guys don't have to answer that question, but I'm going to raise my hand and say I'm guilty. I'm guilty. I get into the habit of waking up and and looking at my phone, getting my Bible plan out, pulling my Bible app out, and reading my Bible, saying a prayer, and then saying, good talk, God. See you tomorrow. The next day I wake up, open my Bible, read my Bible reading plan, give, uh, give the prayer, give God a high five, good talk, on to the next day. And day after day after day after day, it's easy to fall into this trap. Now, I, I, I believe that God certainly hears my weak attempts, but by limiting that depth, I become this shallow person that only wants God to make me feel good. My time with God is on my checklist of things to do for the day. 
And when I do that, I can cross it off and go to the gym. But here's the thing. God knows me. God wants to have heartfelt conversations with me. He wants to have a genuine, real, healthy, life-changing relationship with me. And it's not just me because I'm a pastor up here preaching. It's each and every one of you sitting in this room right now. So what does this have to do with the Psalms? What does it have to do with the Psalms? You guys see why I was so excited about this summer in the Psalms? Because Psalms are cries of the heart. Songs and prayers from the soul with a whole wide range of experiences, and it's not just a book of cliches and sayings that make us feel good. Psalms is so much more than that. And we see that through the Psalms that David and the other writers honestly and openly pour out their hearts to God. And it's, it's reflecting what it looks like to have a deep, intimate relationship with God. It's going to be life-changing. It's going to be real. It's going to be hard. It's going to be fast. It's going to be tough. All those things, but it's going to be open, and it's going to be real, and it's going to be life-changing when, you, when we look at the Psalms. So I'm going to ask you guys, what, are we going to, what do you guys think we're going to see as we start going through the book of Psalms? What are some themes? What are some things you might pick up on? that, you, that Maybe you've read the Psalms over and over, uh, but let's hear. I want to hear from you guys. Go ahead, Lydia. Okay, yeah, communication with God. Jen. There's a lot of passion and despair and like all kinds of emotions that you really felt. You know, it's very real. Like the depth of your hashtag real talk. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm glad you got, a, <laughs> you got a favorite psalm, Psalm 91. Anybody else got anything else to, that they want to add to that? Psalm 23. Okay, cool. So, so here's what we're going to see. As you guys already uh, kind of shared most of it, believers crying out, believers communicating with God, believers having real talk with God and standing on the word of God to be true. That, that you're going to see from the depths of despair where people don't know what's going to happen, where it all looks like it's crazy and a crumble down on top of them. We're going to hear th- from those depths of despair. And then we're going to come over to here this side, and we're going to hear shouts of praise. Thank you, Lord. So we get all that. And whether it's despair or rejoicing, one thing we will always hear is the writer sharing deep, honest, open feelings with God. And they're going to they're gonna let the honesty, just as they have that relationship with God, guide them. And that's what I hope as we go through the Psalms, that you'd have this open, honest relationship, communication with God, so that you can know God, that you can grow in God, and you can go and 
tell others about the hope found in God. So, as we start the summer of Psalms, I am so excited. I've grabbed your guys' attention. I'm really excited about that, that you guys are, are into this already and, and seem as excited as I am. Um, but for this first summer, we're going to get through the first 11 Psalms. So, uh, we're going to try and have some guests come in that have done the Summer of Psalms, and we're kind of reach, reaching out to some people, and that uh, we're going to only make it through the first 11 Psalms. And the next summer, when we start, we'll start at 12, and we'll get through however long it takes us through the end, or, you know, till school starts, till summer's over. And the next summer, so we're going to be walking through the summer in the Psalms for probably a few years, and every summer we're going to spend in the Psalms. So there's, sorry, I just burped. I don't know if you guys heard that. <laughs> uh, so there's going to be five mega themes. I'm going to cut that out of the recording. <laughs> so there's, there's five mega themes here that we're going to see in the Psalms as we go through every summer. And there's praise, God's power, forgiveness, thankfulness, and trust. So those are five things to kind of keep in mind as we go through each psalm each week through every summer till we're done and then we'll probably start over again and spend the summer in psalms so we're going to kick off today in psalm one if you guys will open your bibles we're going to read it again together um it should be up here on the screen oh sam you're killing me (laughs) all right psalm one Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yield its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and all that he does he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So as we get into Psalm 1, we have two distinctions here, two roads here, the righteous and the wicked. And it's interesting to me that the writer... This writer, in my study Bible, said anonymous, so we don't know who the writer is, but it's interesting to me that the writer begins telling us what the blessed man is not. He does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, taking bad advice. And I have here um, something that, uh, as I was trying to think of an example of walking in the counsel of the wicked. Now, uh, those who were married, husbands and wives, Anybody ever been, I mean, we, we just saw on Facebook this morning with a little video, anybody ever been in the presence of, like, if, you, know, if you know, for me, around a bunch of other husbands, and they begin complaining about their wives, and then it leads to this guy saying something, and then this guy, and this guy, and kind of going around the circle, and that's the kind of the picture that I got of walking in the council of wicked. When you see somebody that's blatantly sinning and doing wrong, but you decide to just stand there and walk in it and be a part of it and, and do nothing about it. That's not what the blessed man does. That's not what the righteous man does. That's not what the, God, the guy that is in Christ does. And, and I just felt like this was a good uh, model 
for this passage. And even, like, if you, maybe you're a recovering addict, like, you wouldn't go sit with your buddies that are still getting high and, and drunk and all that stuff. So why, why would you do it as a Christian in other ways that, that where you could sit in the counsel of the wicked and walk in the counsel of the wicked? So then after it goes and, and it talks about what the blessed man is not, we go into our joy, what we delight in, what we find our joy in, the joy of following God and taking delight in his word. Have you guys ever invited a friend to church? It's like, I don't want to go to church. I'll have to give up all the fun stuff that I do. I don't want to go to church. The walls will come crashing in. You don't know the things that I've done. I don't want to go to church because I'm going to have to stop having fun. You don't have any joy. You don't have any fun. You don't know how to have fun. And meanwhile, you're sitting there thinking, man, do you know the joy that is in God? They can only be found in God. It's, gonna, it's like nothing they've never experienced and nothing can even compare to it. And nothing comes close to the joy found in God. Amen? So how do we find joy in Him? What do we do? How do we get there? Well, Psalms tells us we meditate on His Word. So meditation. Anybody here like to meditate? My wife slowly raises her hand. So, my wife, she is a yoga instructor. Hot yoga. You do hot yoga. Yeah. Let me throw that out there so there's no surprises when you get there and it's 93 degrees in the yoga room. So, my wife is a hot yoga instructor. And one of the things that you do in yoga is you meditate. But in yoga, you go from pose to pose. Each pose has a purpose, and it leads into the next one and into the next one, and there's a reason behind each thing. And then at the end of class, you, lay, you get in a pose called Shavasana. And I thought it was funny because I looked up what it meant, and uh, it means corpse pose. So you're, you're laying there on your back after you finish going through all of the, the, the poses and all the, the sequences, and you lay on your back, palms up, and you just lay there. It's so relaxing and so nice. And what, uh, then, what ta- then, then we meditate. And what happens, here's what I do when I meditate in that moment after a yoga class. I lay there, my eyes closed. <sighs> I begin to just focus on my breath. Breathe in, breathe out. Breath in, breath out. And I focus Breath in and just kind of start to clear my mind of everything, all the crap that might be going on in my head, and I clear it all out. Breath in, breath out. It sounds like I'm telling myself to breathe, to remember to breathe. When you get deep in meditation, it feels almost like that, like, oh, have I breathed? But um, so breathe in, breathe out, and I start to just really kind of focus my attention on that breath. And then as things, as I focus more on that, then I kind of, my thoughts just kind of go. And a lot of times I spend this time in prayer and I talk to God and things happen and I wake up and I'm like, oh, crap, where am I? It's okay. I'm in the yoga room. That was awesome. Thank you, God, for that time of meditation. So that's meditation in yoga. And so I want to look up what the definition of meditate is. It says, think deeply or focus one's mind for a period of time in silence or chanting music as a method of relaxation. Relaxation. 
So now let's put this into God's word. Meditating on God's word. Thinking deeply about God's word. Focusing your mind on God's word. Doing it in silence, or if you're like me, music, and I recently learned that I need to learn to do things in silence. So that's something I'm going to be practicing, is doing it in silence or, or with music. And it's relaxing and resting in Him. Does that sound delightful? Does it sound joyful? Doesn't it sound nice to just rest and relax in Him? And as we go through and we talk about more about the Psalms and meditating in it, it I think about this like meditating on God's word day and night. Maybe you read something. Maybe you're, you're fairly new to this book. Maybe you feel like you don't pick it up enough, but maybe there's something in there that makes you feel some sort of way. You're not sure how you feel about what God's word says about this. Or maybe you hear something one day that, uh, you know, we preach on from up here, and, and you're not sure how it makes you feel. That's where meditating on God's word and so useful. Go to his word. See what it says. Think deeply about it. Ask God the tough questions. Have real, open, honest dialogue with him. Relax in what his word says and take delight in his word and who he is. Now, I feel like meditating on God's word is one of the first and like vital steps in applying it to your everyday life. So I got here bold application. I'll share with you guys what uh, one way I've, I've meditated on God's word when I thought of this uh, was trying to think of how I've applied meditating on God's word. And I got Colossians 3, 23 and 24 up. Do I got that on the board? Boom, I do. Awesome. I didn't realize I had, I put it in the notes. It says, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. I remember at the time when this struck me and I started to meditate on it, I was working, I believe, in car sales still. And it's not the most fun job. Um, it can be a very rewarding job because you make a big sale and, and it, it just feels good to, to do that. But I remember just getting like discouraged and upset with my bosses. And this is something that I come back to quite often. And I remember hearing this, these, these verses preached on in church, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. And I meditated on what that meant and what it looked like to work heartily for the Lord and not for men. Because the, the reward that I'm going to get isn't in this life while I'm running around chasing the dream or, you know, the American dream or whatever it is. I, I'm not working for men. I work for the Lord. And just focusing on that, and it changed my attitude about work. And still to this day, that was years ago, maybe over like 10 years ago. I couldn't tell you the exact moment, but it's probably been 10 years when I'm struggling with work, when I'm having a hard time at work, uh, even when I'm having a hard time being a pastor and doing this pastoral work. I come to this. Whatever you do, Work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. And it's freeing. So that's just one way, like, I've meditated on God's word. 
just thinking deeply about it, focusing on it, and just resting and relaxing in Him. And there's just so much rest in that for me. So now let's move on to verse 3 of Psalm 1. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and all that he does, he prospers. We're going to prosper? Does that mean we're going to be rich? Does that mean that that if, if, I'm telling you guys, if you give us all your money, you're going to be blessed tenfold? You have health, wealth, and a long, happy life, and if you don't obey and give and have enough faith, you won't be giving these things. Is that the kind of prosperity that he's talking about here? No. I see some head shaking. No. Say it louder. No. No. So what does it mean? Oh, never mind. I got what does it not mean first. <laughs> I almost screwed you guys all up. You're like, wait a second. What it does not mean. And it does not mean that with enough faith, God will bless you financially. If we're not blessed in our finances, it's because we haven't trusted God enough and had enough faith. That's what it does not mean. It does not mean that we are immune to failures and difficulties in life. That's not the kind of prosperity we want. What it does mean, when we apply God's wisdom from his word and have a relationship with him, the fruit, the byproducts that come from it will be good and will have God's approval. The prosperity we will receive doesn't come in this life, but we receive our reward in the next. Amen? That's the kind of prosperity we're talking about. That's what I want to prosper in. Let's move on to verse 4. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Sin is real. Judgment is coming. Hell is real. And maybe you've heard this, that I'm going to be in hell partying up with Slayer and the rest of the cool bands like that. The ungodly, the wicked, are the reverse of the righteous, both in character and condition. Total opposite of being righteous in Christ. They're led by the counsel of the wicked in the way of sinners to the seat of the scornful. They have no delight in God's word. They bring forth no fruit, but what is evil? Talking about sin being real and hell being real and judgment being real, it's probably like the most terrifying for me to do thing for me to do up here. But I'm not going to avoid that truth because it can only hurt the church. And then I want to talk about in verse 4, when he talks about the chaff, will you bring, you got that still? Oh, but I like, nope, verse 4. Chaff. We're talking about chaff, not chafing. 
<laughs> the chaff. So what chaff is, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> sorry, my bad. My wife looked at me like, did you just really? <laughs> but chaff. So it's like the, the husk on the grain. When they'd go out and c- collect grain, it was like the outside of the grain. And what they would do with the chaff, they, was, they would do, to get the grain out, they did what was called threshing and winnowing. That like, that does not sound like a fun comparison, like you're g- being compared to something that's being threshed and winnowed. So what happens is they take the, the grain and uh, they stomp on it and then they grab it and they throw it in the air and the chaff gets blown away in the wind, carried away. And that's what the wicked are being, car- are, are g- being compared to, like chaff. That the wind drives away, but whatever may come and satisfy them at that moment, they're over here, and then whatever looks satisfying, enticing, they get blown over here, and then whatever, oh, look at that over there, that's going to bring me so much more joy, and they're just caught in this whirlwind of just getting blown around to and fro, really never having hope in anything. That's not a fun way to live. Does that sound like a fun way to, to live, to be blown all around and, and to and fro and not really have any solid foundation? Let's break down verses 5 and 6 now. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. There's two ways. There's no gray area. There's no fence to sit on. There's two ways. The way of the righteous, the way of the wicked. There's no middle ground. And we see that the the fate of the wicked is fixed. They have no seat with God. But whenever the sinner feels convictions of the Holy Spirit, oh wait, hold on, I got ahead of myself. But, but there's, okay, backtracking a little bit. I got a little mixed up. The fate of the wicked is fixed. They have no seat with God. But whenever the sinner feels the convictions of the Holy Spirit and does not ignore it, he or she is admitted into the company of the righteous in Christ. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We are justified and made righteous in Christ. Amen? The way of the righteous. Now, I don't know how I missed this when we were going through the book of Acts. Uh, I don't know if I got it up on the board either. But it was in Acts chapter 17, verses 28. Do I got it, Sam? Is it there? I don't. Okay, that's fine. So get out your Bible, your Bible app, whatever you have. If there's not a Bible, uh, if you don't have a Bible or a Bible app, there should be one under one of the chairs. If not, I'll read it out to you. But I don't know, I don't remember who preached on Acts chapter 17. Do you, Chris? I had it highlighted like I preached on it. Okay. But I completely missed this. I completely missed this when we were going through the book of Acts. 
It says, in him we live, we move, and we find our being. We live, we move, and we find our being. Acts 17, 28. What does this have to do with the Psalms? This is how we become righteous. This is how we are righteous. It's in Christ alone. In Him we live, we move, and we find our being. Galatians 2, 19 through 21. Do I got that one? No? Yes? Sam looks confused. Okay. For through the law I died to the law, so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. We live in Christ. We move. Galatians 5, 22 through 25. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. So this kind of comes back to we live and we move and, and that tree planted. Let me find my notes here. In, I believe it's in verse 2, right? He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yield its fruit in its season. We're like that tree planted in good water. That, tr that, that water is the living water of Christ, that good fruit. That's the way we move in the Holy Spirit, and we see that fruit that comes, the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. <coughs> all, that, all that, that's how we move, that's how we live. And we have our being. And I was thinking about, we have our being. This makes up who we are. And I was looking through, and I, I found this great John Piper quote, and it says, Christ is our life. Not only the guarantee of it in heaven, but the down payment of it by the Spirit now, as He lives in us. His joy, our joy. His love, our love. His peace, our peace. His strength, our strength. These are not gifts moving from Him to us. They are His life experience is our life. We have our being. We live, we move, and we have our being. So what does this have to do with Psalm 1? That's, how we, that's what the way of the righteous looks like. We live, we move, and we have our being. And that way of the righteous only comes through Jesus. It only comes through Jesus, the perfect son. He came and he, he left his throne and he came down as this little child. And God had this plan from the get-go. God knew that we were going to be sinners. God knew that we were going to fall away. And God sent His Son. He sent His Son, and He was wrongfully 
accused, and he paid the price on that cross. Now, just imagine what it was like for Christ to be on that cross. That as he was there with nails through his hands, he was struggling to breathe, just trying to pull himself up to, to get a breath of fresh air in his lungs. And then he breathed his last and said, it is finished. The, the earth grew dark. The, the everything, you know, the clouds came in. Everything shuddered and, and shook and the veil was torn. The veil that, where only God was present and only the most high priest could go in and see God was torn because Jesus paid the price. We are made righteous only in him. He was buried, and three days later, the stone was rolled away, and Jesus was gone. He conquered sin and Satan and death, and he appeared to all his disciples and many more, and then he ascended into heaven, and he lives at the right hand of God. He's there. He's alive. (laughs) Hallelujah. He's alive. We are made righteous in Him alone. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for the amazing grace that you give. God, I thank you that as we just walk through your word today, God, that your presence was just felt, God. The Holy Spirit is in this place and moving in this place, God. And I pray today, God, if somebody's having doubts, if somebody's not feeling like what they know, God, if if you're to be true, God, that they would seek you, God, that they would find you, God, and that you would reveal yourself to them. I thank you for giving us your word that we can meditate on it, God, that we can think day and night on it, that those things that trouble us, we can go to your word, God, we can go to you, and we can embark on this journey and have a deep, intimate relationship with you. Because it's not about us. It's about you, God. We just thank you for your word, God. We say these things in Jesus' name. Amen.